0: is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mounce, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you along for the ride. Today, we are going to make reference to an article in the current issue, of American Road Magazine, the theme of the issue is comedy tonight our tribute to the funniest road films. And there are so many of them, some I had forgotten about, as a matter of fact. Now, if you listen to the co-founder of American Road Magazine, you realize how important they are to American culture. American Road's comedy road films, he writes, celebrates the greatest highway comedies ever set down on celluloid. From It Happened One Night, back in 1934, to Paper Moon, 1973, to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, in 2000. I like to put in a plug for It's a mad, 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 mad world from back in 1963. And in another context, Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh my goodness. If we have time, we'll mention that as well. So much to discuss. We're talking about the funniest road films ever. That is our theme. Jeffrey Mark, I call him Mr. Go-To Hollywood. He is an incredible historian, a performer, a comedy writer, a comedian in his own right. He is the guy in the know, and he loves him some road films as well. This is American Road Trip Talk, and we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll get Jeffrey Mark on the air with us. And we're going to have fun on the road just for laughs. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after these messages. Chart your course to visit Alliance, Nebraska. Fun, safe, family-friendly, and pet-friendly activities make Alliance one adventure you and your family don't want to miss. Come for Carhenge and stay to experience our many other free attractions, craft brews, and local dining. Yes, all of the attractions are free. Shop along our historic brick streets, too. Carhenge is a 2020 Top 10 Worldwide Award winner by TripAdvisor. Unique. Quirky and a pop culture icon, Carhenge is open year-round to visitors who love to experience something different. You won't find a to-scale replica of England's Stonehenge quite like this anywhere else in the world. Our little slice of country is your place to relax before you head to the hills or mountains with all of the small-town charm your soul needs. For more information, please go to visitalliance.com. Hi, everybody.
1: This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America. And Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich maneuver who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert Drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor-approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to Alertdrops.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe.
0: American Roads Pet Places Photo Contest is well underway. You could win $500. Winning entries may be published in the winter issue. American Roads 2021 Pet Places Photography Contest celebrates where our passion for travel and pets meet. Send us photographs of your favorite pet friendly business or a geographical feature shaped or named for pups or kittens. Maybe a shrine to a special pooch or a statue to a feline. Maybe a snapshot of your favorite pet-themed attraction. Now, as cute as your pet is, please do not send photos of them sleeping at home. This is American Road, after all. Let the creativity and photo snapping commence. Go to AmericanRoadMagazine.com to read the rules and enter the contest. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Uplift your day, make for a good weekend anytime. We're archived, of course. There, anywhere you get your podcasts after this live broadcast emanating from Seattle. We are delighted to welcome Jeffrey Mark. He's a great friend of the show. I feel like he's a personal friend of mine. I just yet have yet to meet him, but he is a terrific guy. He's been called a walking encyclopedia of show business history. He certainly lives up to that moniker. Honestly, you can't stump the guy. A singer, stand-up comedian in nightclubs and cabarets, and an off-Broadway veteran, Jeffrey has hosted radio series, written comedy, and now writes and produces documentaries and reality shows for cable TV. Jeffrey Mark also has written three best-selling books devoted to Lucille Ball, Ella Fitzgerald, and Ethel Merman. He is the man in the know, and he knows about these funny road pictures. We're happy to have you with us once again, Jeffrey Mark gee he sounds fascinating i can't wait
2: to hear what he has to say wouldn't you like to meet the guy yourself i you know something would you believe it i never have
0: (laughs) yes that's right i know the feeling jeffrey now we're here to talk about those funny road films now you know the first thing i just gave a little taste of what it is we can talk about the array is amazing And yet I did not mention Bob Hope, Big Crosby, and those wonderful road pictures. My favorite is The Road to Utopia. But in that series, it seems to me like here was a chance picture by picture to live vicariously through these two singing and joking wise acres. They are treasures to this day.
2: Of course they are. And the road concept, I think it goes all the way back to silent films, how much comedy was mined out of people in cars, people on trains, people pushing hand cars, if people know what a hand car is. It's it's for some reason traveling, being on the road either by yourself or with a buddy or a girlfriend or a husband. It's always been a source of comedy for us all through the 20th century and well into the 21st.
0: You know, when I try to get under that the surface layer of the entertainment and all the yucks and the songs and maybe some dancing in there and certainly romance, it seems to me that there is an underlying theme in every picture of finding what else is out there, that there's something more that life has to offer or a situation that forces itself upon us, perhaps, so that we find out who we really are and maybe at our best when we are on the road.
2: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I I, I would tie that to another concept, and I think these are the two concepts that it's it's why there are so many of these things. Uh, Everything you just said, and then add to having a really shared experience, whether it's Buster Keaton on his own and he's sharing the experience with the audience watching, or it's Thelma and Louise, or Bing and Bob, or the Three Stooges, or whomever it is, we enjoy watching people sharing experiences. And then as the audience, we share it also.
0: With so much to choose from, it's hard to say where to go next. So I'll just sort of jump in the middle. I watched a film in a big screen in the theater back in 1973, Paper Moon, father-daughter combination, you know, the O'Neills and how they made that work in a setting that involved the drudgery, the uncertainty and the misery of the depression. And yet here was a guy on the make and he had his very sharp, precocious daughter with him. And they created, thanks to Peter Bogdanovich, this wonderful display of being out on the road in a treacherous place and yet thoroughly optimistic because they believed in themselves and
2: each other. That film is one of my favorites, If you watch it with contemporary eyes, because I was a teenager when that that first came out, uh, I don't know if that film would have worked if Ryan wasn't with his actual real-life daughter. Because there is something a little strange, even though in the film there is a blood relation, they don't know each other at all and yet they are sleeping in the same room together, they are traveling together, they are eating together. Um, It would be, I think, a little creepy, except that Ryan uh, and Tatum are father and daughter and have such chemistry on stage and on film. Uh, and, And again, we're watching them share an experience of being total strangers growing into a family. As they have all of these fun experiences, and of course, what also makes the film besides their chemistry is all of the very funny people they come across, whether the people are funny in themselves or just so square that they make fun of them. So there's levels of funniness here. It's a wonderful, wonderful film, and it works in black and white uh, for a lot of the reasons a lot of these road pictures work. The relationship between the two people, the send up of all the people around them that they encounter along the way. And then we get to go along as a third party.
0: Yes. That was exactly the feeling I had watching it and then watching it uh, with the glory of VHS at the time. (laughs) So I got to see it a second time in speaking of black and white and this, this pairing of personalities that together form a synergy, a cinematic synergy, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, the road pictures, what is a little bit of the history for our listeners, Jeffrey, how it was decided that we're going to put you two guys on the road and, oh, that worked. Let's do it again. And then let's do it again, etc.
2: Well, first we have to throw that premise out entirely because that's not Seriously? how it Really? Yes, absolutely. Bob Hope and Bing Crosby first encountered each other in vaudeville, meaning they were both appearing in New York City. Bob had done a couple of Broadway shows, was about to do more, Uh, He had not hit the heights yet. He had not made his first movie yet. He was not a radio star yet. Bob Hope was a vaudeville star and a Broadway star. And Bing was in New York city. He was a recording artist and a fairly new film star. So they were both not superstars yet. And they began to banter on stage. Hope was the MC of a show, uh, often MCs in those days in vaudeville would sort of do business with the biggest star on the show and they did business and it really really worked Uh, Bing was a whip of the quip as he liked to say Uh, he was very good at rhyming things he was very good at an off the cuff delivery that made it look as if every word he said came out of his brain right then and there as opposed to written material so that that was that was the germ that started it. But the movies did not start with Bob and Bing. The movies started with, meaning the road pictures, with Dorothy L'Amour. She was the big film star of the three of them. And they they wanted to continue this thing with Paramount having Dorothy in a sarong. It had become a trademark. It had become a hook on which to use Dorothy. Dorothy L'Amour was very, very pretty. She didn't mind showing off her figure. To wear a sarong was very risky, as they used to say, very risque at that moment in time. Somehow she was able to do it um, in a way that wasn't lascivious or dirty, but they needed co-stars for this film, and that's when someone remembered how good Bob and Bing were together, and they both happened to be under contract to Paramount. So Dorothy was the wheel. Uh, Bing and Bob are just two spokes. Uh, that didn't last long, because as they began to film the the first of the series, um, these two men had giant egos, and I don't mean that in a bad way. They, they did not want to be upstaged by Dorothy L'Amour. So each of them brought their own material in to make the scripts funnier for themselves. And when the director, I think it was Frank Tashlin, I could be wrong of the first one, saw what they were doing. It's like, yeah, okay, this is going to be better this way. And he let it happen. And then as it turns out, the film was edited in their favor. So when the first road picture became a large success for Paramount, now they were all equal co-stars They were riding for them equally. And then after a while, uh, Bob and Bing were the wheel and Dorothy was the spoke as her career didn't really last. In fact, had it not been for the road pictures, her career would have been over a lot sooner. She couldn't carry off being the young pretty girl anymore. She was aging, but Bob and Bing never aged. So uh, nobody sat down and said, hmm, let's do a series of road pictures with Bob and Bing. It was a one-shot for Dorothy, and sometimes in show business, these things happen. They realize what they have, and off they go.
0: Certainly, that was the case, and people still love to watch them with the the carrying on the obvious chemistry. And I think that it bespoke – I would be shocked if you said otherwise, Jeffrey – that there appears to be the material. They're just watching the films that you see the substance of a lifelong friendship between Bob and Bing. No, (laughs) no. Come on. Now he referred to Bing Crosby as dear old Bing with a tear in his eye did. Bob hope what happened?
2: Nothing happened. The word is show or the term is show business. So it was good for business for Bob and Bing to constantly remind their radio audiences that they were a movie team. Uh, It was good for their radio shows. It gave them comedy fodder to uh, make fun of each other the way uh, Jack Benny and Fred Allen did, who happened to be very close friends in real life. Bob and Bing did their films and went their separate ways. They did not, really socialized together, they worked a lot together, they made films, they did personal appearances together to raise money for the war, for war bonds. I believe they were guests on each other's radio shows, but it was not until the last of the road pictures that they really spent any time together because the last of the road pictures was done in England and they shared a mansion together. Uh, Their two families, they and their wives and children went to England and they cohabitated that was really the closest they ever got. Uh, they 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 looked at life very differently. They were very different fathers, very different husbands. Um, they they admired each other's talents greatly, and they appreciated and were grateful for how well their talents mingled. the 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 mingling of their two talents made each of them a bigger star, and put a lot more money in their pockets. and Speaking of money, there were things they invested in together. So they were business partners sometimes, but they didn't like, hey, Bing, hey, Bob, what you doing today? Or, hey, let's get the wives and go to dinner Friday night. That that really wasn't a part of their friendship. It was all business. They didn't dislike each other or anything. They just each had very different, very separate private lives. Bob was constantly traveling. Uh, with his radio show, traveling, doing it at every Army and Air Force and Marine base or Navy base in the world, Bing was at home. Uh, Bing didn't do personal appearances. Bing didn't appear in nightclubs and do theater concerts. And va- He just didn't do it. So Bob wasn't around to pal around with Bing
0: this is an education I'm getting so much of this I never knew before, but it sounds like a better basis for a show business partnership than turned out to be the case, for example, and perhaps most obviously with Martin
2: and Lewis. Now they had a personal relationship. Uh, You're talking about two people, East coast people who got into show business very young. Uh, Jerry is a teenager. His parents had been in show business Dean got into show business very young because he couldn't do anything else. Um, He was very good looking. He had a very pleasant voice, but they were getting nowhere. Uh, And in 1946, they happened to be booked at the same place in Atlantic city at the same time and were bored and began screwing with each other's acts. And it was hugely successful. And for 10 years, these men completely intertwined their lives, the opposite of, of of Bob and Bing. They traveled together, they ate together, uh, they worked together constantly, their families intermingled, and there are some people who also say they were indeed intimate together.
0: I can see that this episode isn't going to be nearly long enough. For all that we can discuss, I need to book you for a part two here. And we'll find the right date, Jeffrey. Margaret, you have an inexhaustible reservoir of Hollywood knowledge. Wow. I do want to take the opportunity in our remaining minutes to talk about one of the most ambitious comedy pictures, and I would have to say it qualifies as a road adventure of comedy as well. It's a mad, 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 mad world from back in 1963. Can you imagine trying to put together all the, the talent, the egos, this vast cast in order to make a picture of such craziness, one that actually, as I understand it, clocked in before editing at
2: 192 minutes? Yes, and we could do several episodes just about this film. <laughs> the genius of Stanley Kramer, and I'm so pleased that his wife and daughter are friends of mine, that he had done these huge epic dramas with Spencer Tracy, uh, winning winning awards and, and huge, huge box office. And Stanley at that moment was a huge star director. And Spencer said to him, you know, we should... Fool everybody and do a comedy. And Stanley said, Well, if we're gonna do a comedy, let's make it the wackiest comedy ever made. Let's let's really make it as big as our dramas. And that's where Bajerm for it started. I personally have spent time with almost every star who was in that film. And I have that many stories to tell about it. And we just don't have time. But I I fully believe, and my buddy Mark Evanier believes, that this is the funniest film ever made. Uh, Certainly the funniest talk he ever made. Perhaps we can look at Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin and find some funnier things. But as a film, there's not a wasted second. There's not a wasted line. Everybody in it is brilliant, including Spencer Tracy. And every part is filled by an expert comedy person. People were fighting. They were killing each other to get into this film. And the, the, the final result is just perfection. And like I said, I've, I've got four or 500 stories about the making of the film.
0: One of the first things that occurs to me is how did you keep something like that within a studio approved budget for the salaries alone? Did people take a cut
2: just to be a part of it? This is what they did. They agreed to an all favored nations clause. So all of the people besides Spencer Tracy, Spencer got paid differently and was a part of the film. Everybody else got paid exactly the same amount of money if they were one of the leads in the film. Everybody else who did cameos or small parts also all got paid the same money. The leads were listed in alphabetical order so that nobody's ego got out of joint a little bit. Stanley Kramer at that point had just made two or three of the greatest films ever made. Everybody wanted to be in this because of Stanley, because of Spencer, who wouldn't want to be in a Spencer Tracy film? He was the greatest film actor we had. So uh, no one was all that concerned about money. They were concerned about being a part of this and Cinerama and starting that. So uh, people were fighting to get in. There there was no problem about money.
0: There is a story about Spencer Tracy and his Initial reluctance, let's say, to get very involved with the rest of the cast. And as I saw it in an interview with the great Phil Silvers, he was pretty much appointed as the ambassador to Spencer Tracy at one point because Spencer Tracy didn't want to come out of his trailer very much. He was grumpy. He didn't want to mix it mix in with the other actors as the story goes. So Phil Silvers drew the short straw. <laughs> And he went in and talked personally one-to-one with Spencer Tracy and said something like, you know, Spence, we're all here trying to make this work. It really would be better if you came out and socialized with us and just mixed in with the rest of us. We all want this to be a success. And Spencer Tracy, you know, grandma, "Oh, all right. And he went out. And upon doing that, he started to have a good time.
2: Well, that's partly true. Mr. Tracy had two things going against him in this film. One was, and it's an unfortunate thing, but he was an alcoholic and I have the same disease. I've been clean and sober 32 years. He was not clean and sober. So every time he made a film, he had to sort of get into shape, cut back on his drinking, lose some weight because physically he was exhausted. It's why he wanted to be in his trailer so much to save his energy so that he, he Remember, they're feeling all of this in the desert. It's 900 degrees out. And the people are kept, most of the cast are kept like in a great big air-conditioned truck. So they don't melt and their makeup doesn't melt. Spencer had his own trailer. He didn't want to go out in the heat. He wanted to save his energy. Uh, he might have been sometimes inebriated. Phil understood this. Phil had been in burlesque and vaudeville. Phil understood compulsions because he was a compulsive gambler and and everybody loved Phil Silvers. Uh, Phil didn't have that many scenes with Spencer. Really, only the big W scenes. We're talking about the end of the film where they're all uh, trying to get at some treasure they've all found together and they've gotten there by various methods in twos and threes. Uh, It's a good Phil Silvers story and it's true as far as it goes. In that moment, But the whole rest of the film, Phil isn't anywhere near him. It's just age. He was my age when he made the film, but he looked 30 years older than I do. And heat, great heat. Everybody died. And his drinking.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Jeffrey Mark. We are going to have to do a part two. That's all there is to it. So much more to discuss when it comes to the greatest road films in Hollywood history. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to meet up with you again on the air
2: just ask. All you have to do is ask. I'll be there. I have a lot of fun with you.
0: Fantastic. We have the man on the record, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky representative co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.